Varney the Vampire by Thomas Prescott Prest. Chapter 55. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This reading by Anna Roberts. Chapter 55. The Arrival of Jack Pringle, Midnight and the Vampire, The Mysterious Hat. "'Bless me, what is that?' said Mr. Chillingworth. "'What a very singular sound!' "'Hold your noise,' said the Admiral. "'Did you never hear that before?' "'No, how should I?' "'Lord, bless the ignorance of some people. "'That's a boatswain's call.' "'Oh, it is,' said Mr. Chillingworth. "'Is he going to call again?' <coughs> "'I tell ye, it's a boatswain's call.' "'Well, then, <coughs> if it comes to that,' said Mr. Chillingworth, "'what does he call here for?' The admiral disdained an answer, but demanding the lantern, he opened it, so that there was sufficient glimmering of light to guide him, and then walked from the room towards the front door of the hall. He asked no questions before he opened it, because, no doubt, the signal was preconcerted, and Jack Pringle, for it was he indeed who had arrived, at once walked in, and the admiral barred the door with the same precision with which it was before secured. "'Well, Jack,' he said, "'did you see anybody?' "'Aye, aye, sir,' said Jack. "'Why, ye don't mean that—where?' "'Where I bought the grub. A woman. <coughs> "'You're a fool, Jack. You're another. "'Hilloa, ye scoundrel, what do you mean by talking to me in that way? "'Is this your respect for your superiors?' "'Ship's been paid off long ago,' said Jack, "'and I ain't got no superiors. I ain't a marine or a Frenchman.' "'Why, you're drunk.' "'I know it. Put that in your eye.' "'There's a scoundrel.' "'Why, you know nothing, lubber. "'Didn't I tell you to be careful "'and that everything depended upon secrecy and caution? "'And didn't I tell you above all this to avoid drink?' "'To be sure you did.' "'And yet here you come like a rum-cask.' "'Yes, now you've had your say, what then?' "'You'd better leave him alone,' said Mr. Chillingworth. "'It's no use arguing with a drunken man.' "'Hark ye, Admiral,' said Jack, "'setting himself as well as he could. "'I've put up with you a precious long while, "'but I won't no longer.' "'You're so drunk now that you keep bobbing up and down "'like the misen gaff in a storm. "'That's my opinion. Told a roll.' "'Let him alone, let him alone,' urged Mr. Chillingworth. "'The villain,' said the Admiral. "'He's enough to ruin everything. "'Now who would have thought that? "'But it's always been the way with him for a matter of twenty years. "'He never had any judgment in his drink. "'When it was all smooth sailing and nothing to do, "'and the fellow might have got an extra drop on board, "'which nobody would have cared for,' "'He's as sober as a judge. "'But whenever there's anything to do that wants a little cleverness, "'confound him, he ships rum enough to float a seventy-four. "'Are you going to stand anything to drink?' said Jack. "'My old buffer, do you recollect where you got your knob scuttled off Beirut? "'How you fell on your latter end and tried to recollect your church catechiz, you old brute? "'I's ashamed of you. "'Do you recollect the brown girl you bought for thirteen bob and a tanner "'at the Blessed Society Islands, and sold her again for a dollar?' "'to a nigger seven feet two in his natural pumps? "'You're a nice article, you is, to talk of marines and swabs "'and shore-going lubbers, blowyer. "'Do you recollect the little Frenchman that told ye "'he'd pulled your blessed nose, and I advised you to soap it? "'Do you recollect Saul at Spithead, "'as you got in at a porthole of the state cabin, all but her behind?' "'Death and the devil!' said the Admiral, "'breaking the grasp of Mr. Chillingworth. "'Aye,' said Jack, "'You'll come to em both one of these days, old cock, and no mistake.' "'I'll have his life! I'll have his life!' roared the admiral. 
"'Nay, nay, sir,' said Mr. Chillingworth, catching the admiral round the waist. "'My dear sir, recollect now, if I may venture to advise you, Admiral Bell. There's a lot of that fiery Hollands, you know, in the next room. Sit him down to that and finish him off. I'll warn him he'll be quiet enough.' "'What's that you say?' cried Jack. "'Hollands? Who's got any? Next to rum and Elizabeth Baker, if I has an affection, it's Hollands.' "'Jack!' said the admiral. "'Aye, aye, sir,' said Jack, instinctively. "'Come this way.' Jack staggered after him, and they all reached the room where the admiral and Mr. Chillingworth had been sitting before the alarm. "'There,' said the admiral, putting the light upon the table and pointing to the bottle. "'What do you think of that?' "'I never thinks under such circumstances,' said Jack. "'Here's to the wooden walls of old England.' He seized the bottle, and putting its neck into his mouth, for a few moments nothing was heard but a gurgling sound of the liquor passing down his throat. His head went further and further back, until at last over he went, chair and bottle and all, and lay in a helpless state of intoxication on the floor. "'So far so good,' said the Admiral. "'He's out of the way, at all events.' "'I'll just loosen his neckcloth,' said Mr. Chillingworth, "'and then we'll go and sit somewhere else, and I should recommend that, if anywhere, we take up our station in that chamber, once Flora's, where the mysterious panelled portrait hangs that bears so strong a resemblance to Varney the vampire. "'Hush!' said the Admiral. "'What's that?' They listened for a moment, intently, and then, distinctly, upon the gravel path outside the window, they heard a footstep, as if some person were walking along, not altogether heedlessly, but yet without any very great amount of caution or attention to the noise he might make. "'Hist!' said the doctor. "'Not a word! They come!' "'What do you say they for?' said the admiral. "'Because something seems to whisper to me that Mr. Marchdale knows more of Varney the vampire than ever he has chosen to reveal. Put out the light. Yes, yes, that'll do. The moon has risen. See how it streams through the chinks of the shutters? No, no, it's not in that direction, or our light would have betrayed us. Do you not see the beams come from that half-glass door leading to the greenhouse? Yes, and there's a footstep again, or another. Tramp!' tramp came a footfall again upon the gravel path and as before died away upon their listening ears what do you say now said mr chillingworth are there not two if they were a dozen said the admiral although we have lost one of our force i would tackle them let's creep on through the rooms in the direction the footsteps went my life on it said mr chillingworth as they left the apartment if this be varney he makes for that apartment where flora slept and which he knows how to get admission to I've studied the house well, Admiral, and to get to that window, any one from here outside must take a considerable round. Come on, we shall be beforehand. A good idea, a good idea, be it so. Just allowing themselves sufficient light to guide them on the way from the lantern, they hurried on with as much precipitation as the intricacies of the passage would allow, nor halted till they had reached the chamber where hung the portrait which bore so striking and remarkable a likeness to Varney, the vampire. They left the lamp outside the door, so that not even a straggling beam from it could betray that there were persons on the watch, and then, as quietly as foot could fall, they took up their station among the hangings of the antique bedstead, which has been before alluded to in this work as a remarkable piece of furniture appertaining to that apartment. "'Do you think,' said the Admiral, "'we've distanced them?' "'Certainly we have. It's unlucky that the blind of the window is down.' "'Is it? By heaven, there's a—' <clears throat> strange-looking shadow creeping over it. Mr. Chillingworth looked almost with suspended breath. Even he could not altogether get rid of a tremulous feeling, as he saw that the shadow of a human form, apparently of very large dimensions, 
was on the outside, with the arms spread out, as if feeling for some means of opening the window. It would have been easy now to have fired one of the pistols direct upon the figure, but somehow or another both the Admiral and Mr. Chillingworth shrank from that course, and they felt much rather inclined to capture whoever might make his appearance only using their pistols as a last resource, than gratuitously and at once to resort to violence. "'Who should you say that was?' whispered the Admiral. "'Varney the Vampire.' <clears throat> he's ill-looking and big enough for anything. There's noise! There was a strange cracking sound at the window, as if a pane of glass was being very stealthily and quietly broken, and then the blind was agitated slightly, confusing much the shadow that was cast upon it, as if the hand of some person was introduced for the purpose of effecting a complete entrance into the apartment. "'He's coming in!' whispered the Admiral. "'Hush, for heaven's sake!' said Mr. Chillingworth. "'You will alarm him, and we shall lose the fruit of all the labour we have bestowed upon the matter. "'But did you not say something, Admiral, about lying under the window and catching him by the leg?' "'Why, yes, I did.' "'Go and do it, then. For as sure as you are a living man, his leg will be in in a minute.' "'Here goes,' said the Admiral. "'I never suggest anything which I am unwilling to do myself.' Whoever it was that now was making such strenuous exertions to get into the apartment seemed to find some difficulty as regarding the fastenings of the window, and as this difficulty increased, the patience of the party, as well as his caution, deserted him, and the casement was rattled with violence. With a far greater amount of caution than any one from a knowledge of his character would have given him credit for, the admiral crept forward, and laid himself exactly under the window. The depth of the woodwork from the floor to the lowest part of the window frame did not exceed above two feet, so that any one could conveniently step in from the balcony outside onto the floor of the apartment, which was just what he who was attempting to effect an entrance was desirous of doing. It was quite clear that, be he who he might, mortal or vampire, he had some acquaintance with the fastening of the window, for now he succeeded in moving it, and the sash was thrown open. The blind was still an obstacle, but a vigorous pull from the intruder brought that down on the prostate admiral, and then Mr. Chillingworth saw, by the moonlight, a tall, gaunt figure, standing in the balcony, as if just hesitating for a moment whether to get head first or feet first into the apartment. Had he chosen the former alternative, he would need, indeed, to have been endowed with more than mortal powers of defense and offense to escape capture, but his lucky star was in the ascendancy, and he put his foot in first. He turned his side to the apartment, and, as he did so, the bright moonlight fell upon his face, enabling Mr. Chillingworth to see, without the shadow of a doubt, that it was, indeed, Varney the Vampire, who was thus stealthily making his entrance into Bannerworth Hall, according to the calculation which had been made by the Admiral upon that subject. The doctor scarcely knew whether to be pleased or not at this discovery, and it was almost a terrifying one sceptical as he was upon the subject of vampires, and he waited breathless for the issue of the singular and perilous adventure. No doubt Admiral Bell deeply congratulated himself upon the success which was about to crown his stratagem for the capture of the intruder, be he who he might, as he writhed with impatience for the foot to come sufficiently near to enable him to grasp it. His patience was not severely tried, for in another moment it rested upon his chest. "'Borders ahoy!' shouted the Admiral, and at once he laid hold of the trespasser. "'Yard-arm to yard-arm. I think I've got you now. Here's a prize, doctor. He shall go away without his leg if he goes away now. Eh, hey, what? The light. <laughs> Nay. He has— "'Doctor, the light, the light! Why, what's this? Hello there!' Dr. Chillingworth sprang into the passage and procured the light. In another moment he was at the side of the admiral, and the lantern-slide being thrown back, 
he saw at once the dilemma into which his friend had fallen. There he lay upon his back, grasping, with the vehemence of an embrace that had in it much of the ludicrous, a long boot, from which the intruder had cleverly slipped his leg, leaving it as a poor trophy in the hands of his enemies. "'Why, you've only pulled his boot off,' said the doctor, "'and now he's gone for good, for he knows what we're about, and has slipped through your fingers.' Admiral Bell sat up and looked at the boot with a rueful countenance. "'Done again,' he said. "'Yes, you are done,' said the doctor. "'Why didn't you lay hold of the leg while you were about it, instead of the boot? "'Admiral, are these your tactics?' "'Don't be a fool,' said the Admiral. "'Put out the light and give me the pistols, or blaze away yourself into the garden. "'A chance shot may do something. "'It's no use running after him. "'A stern chase is a long chase, but fire away.' "'As if some parties below had heard him give his word, two loud reports from the garden immediately ensued, "'and a crash of glass testified to the fact that some deadly missile had entered the room.' "'Murder!' said the doctor, and he fell flat upon his back. "'I don't like this at all. It's all in your line, Admiral, but not in mine.' "'All's right, my lad,' said the Admiral. "'Now for it.' He saw lying in the moonlight the pistols which he and the doctor had brought into the room, and in another moment he, to use his own words, returned the broadside of the enemy. <clears throat> he said. "'This puts me in mind of old times. "'Blaze away, you thieves, while I load. "'Broadside to broadside. "'It's your turn now. "'I scorn to take an advantage. "'What the devil's that?' "'Something very large and very heavy "'came bang against the window, "'sending it all into the room "'and nearly smothering the admiral with the fragments. "'Another shot was then fired, "'and in came something else, "'which hit the wall on the opposite side of the room, "'rebounding from thence on to the doctor, "'who gave a yell of despair. "'After that all was still.' The enemy seemed to be satisfied that they had silenced the garrison, and it took the admiral a great deal of kicking and plunging to rescue himself from some superincumbent mass that was upon him, which seemed to him to be a considerable-sized tree. "'Call this fair fighting!' he shouted, getting a man's legs and arms tangled up like a piece of Indian matting in the branches of a tree. "'Doctor, I say, hilloa, where are you?' "'I don't know,' said the doctor, "'but there's somebody getting into the balcony. Now we shall be murdered in cold blood.' "'Where's the pistols?' "'Fired off, of course. You did it yourself.' Bang came something else into the room, which, from the sound it made, closely resembled a brick, and after that somebody jumped clean into the centre of the floor, and then, after rolling and writhing about in a most singular manner, slowly got up, and, with various preliminary hiccups, said, "'Come on, you lubbers. Many of you is like. I'm the tar for all weathers.' "'White,' <coughs> said the Admiral. "'It's Jack Pringle.' "'Yes, it is,' said Jack, who is not sufficiently sober to recognize the Admiral's voice. "'I sees as how you've heard of me. Come on, all of you.' "'Why, Jack, you scoundrel!' roared the Admiral. "'How came you here? Don't you know me? I'm your Admiral, you horse-marine.' "'Eh?' said Jack. "'Aye, aye, sir. How came you here?' "'How came you, you villain?' "'Boarded the enemy.' "'The enemy you boarded was us, and hang me if I didn't think you—' "'haven't been pouring broadsides into us "'while the enemy were scudding before the wind in another direction.' "'Lor!' said Jack. "'Explain, you scoundrel, directly. Explain!' "'Well, that's only reasonable,' said Jack. "'And giving a heavier lurch than usual, "'he sat down with a great bounce upon the floor. "'You see, it's just this here. "'When I was a-coming, of course I heard, just as I was a-going— "'That air has made me come all in consequence of somebody a-going, or for to come, you see, Admiral.' "'Doctor!' cried the Admiral, in a great rage. "'Just help me out of this entanglement of branches, and I'll rid the world from an encumbrance by smashing that fellow.' 
"'Smash yourself,' said Jack. "'You know you're drunk.' "'My dear Admiral,' said Mr. Chillingworth, laying hold of one of his legs and pulling it very hard, which brought his face into a lot of brambles, "'we're making a mess of this business.' "'Murder!' shouted the Admiral. "'You are indeed. Is that what you call pulling me out of it? You've stuck me fast.' "'I'll manage it,' said Jack. "'I've seen him in many a scrape, and I've seen him out. "'You pull me, Doctor, and I'll pull him. "'Yo-hoy!' Jack laid hold of the Admiral by the scruff of the neck, and the doctor laid hold of Jack round the waist, the consequence of which was that he was dragged out from the branches of the tree, which seemed to have been thrown into the room, and down fell both Jack and the doctor. At this instant there was a strange hissing sound heard below the window. Then there was a sudden loud report, as if a hand-grenade had gone off. A spectral sort of light gleamed into the room, and a tall, gaunt-looking figure rose slowly up in the balcony. "'Beware of the dead,' said a voice. Let the living contend with the living, the dead with the dead. Beware. The figure disappeared, as did also the strange, spectral-looking light. A death-like silence ensued, and the cold moonbeams streamed in upon the floor of the apartment, as if nothing had occurred to disturb the rapt repose and serenity of the scene. End of chapter 55